Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Black Furnace with me, Robert. With me, Pete. Yep. Now Moses. Moses is still MIA. He's not missing in action. He's, he's missing. He's on authorized leave. I didn't authorize it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Moses should be back soon. Um, so we have another special guest with us today. Yeah. Um, she's been on the podcast before. It was a great episode. We have Captain Emma Moore with us once again. Hello. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear the applause. <laughs> uh, I'll make sure to put some applause in. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. So Emma was here a few months ago, and yeah, we just had the chance to get her on again, which is great. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. Let's mm. start with sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Cool. And Emma has <laughs> said that she will be in the hot seat. Well, I asked and she said she would be. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to go first, Peter? Um, okay, so fun one. Okay. Same one I asked you last week, just because I want to get your perspective on it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, would or did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? <laughs> <laughs> this is a question that is a really big question, to be honest, mm. and uh, depends on your... With the way that you approach scripture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Which, interestingly enough, is the same way you started your answer last, the last episode. When oh, Bobby really? asked you a question. <laughs> yeah. Look at you. You memorised it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, mm, how, how am I going to approach this? Yeah. <laughs> I feel that it could be a bit controversial with some of the people who might listen to your podcast. Uh, when I read First Genesis, the first chapter of Genesis, uh, to me, um, the first people... Um, oh, gosh, I'm not really sure how to go there. Um, I really, I don't know how to answer this without having to spell out like a long... No, but I think part of the point of the question for me was pointing out that that it's it's a much bigger thing than we, we gloss over sometimes. Sure, yeah. Because I asked my wife this and I've asked a few people and I think Bobby was the first one to actually give it some thought and not just outright. Be, yeah, of course they had belly buttons because we had belly buttons. Um so I think part of part of the question is pointing out that there's a lot more to it than than meets the eye. Yes. So yeah. So, but <laughs> I think it's well. It, uh, look, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna um because this isn't is this isn't just um I'm I'm happy to express my opinion mm-hmm. um because I'm I don't stand alone in 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 this but I do recognise it's not a strongly held. Uh, belief in typically in the evangelical church uh, but I take Genesis 1 to be a poem um, of the people's yeah, <laughs> of um, the nation of Israel's um, story of how they believe the world came into being so uh, I don't necessarily believe that there was an Adam and an Eve I think it's the people's story trying to understand how the world began so when you ask me did Adam did Adam and Eve have a belly button I go well who is Adam and Eve so um yeah there you go (laughs) I'm I'm happy with the answer because I I think it's it's indicative of the fact that it's a bigger question 
it is, than, yeah. than, than they would initially seem, which is a point of it. Um, but I do disagree. But I don't think it's necessary to debate that because it will go into the podcast. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> with that so, yeah. yeah. My turn? Yes, please. Okay, so my question is a bit more risque. Oh, no. <laughs> Bobby, come on. <laughs> no, I, uh, right at the beginning, too. Yes. Uh, um, it just goes back to a conversation I was having with a friend ages ago. Okay. Um, so she was in a relationship um, with a guy. She was Christian. Um, but... How can I put this in a way that is? So the question was, question is, um, is it justifiable to find out if you're sexually compatible with someone before you get married to them? Ooh. (laughs) Hmm. Uh... Look, if my daughter was asking that question when she's old enough, I would say no way. <laughs> um, because you kind of like never know what um, what, you, what what you're gonna get <laughs> when you marry someone. So is it okay? To that's have right. It? Well, you, and you don't know not just sexual in sexual terms, but probably in other areas as well. Yeah. Um, and we, uh, we change over time as well. So the person I was when I got married at 23, certainly, you know, I'm still that person in many ways, but certainly I've changed a great deal. Mm. Um, so I, I would say that um, – I, so I grew up with um, – uh, a, a series we were taught a series called Sex Has a Price Tag, um, which was by an American lady who um, she would teach on the consequences of having sex outside of marriage. Mm. And a huge part of that, are you, are you familiar with it? No, no, I haven't no, heard okay. it before. Um, I so like the title though. <laughs> yeah, and a huge part of what she taught from that was the physical consequences of having sex outside of marriage, which is um, sexually tra- transmitted diseases and, um, you know, the risk of pregnancy outside of marriage and then all the consequences of that for teenagers in particular, having to financially um, then sustain a family when you're not ready for it and... Uh, so I grew up with that rhetoric and with that idea, which made a lot of sense to me then, and in many ways still makes a lot of sense to me because um, sex does have a price tag, um, not only physically but the emotional stuff as well. Um, so I don't think it's a it's a matter to be taken lightly, um, and just to see if you're compatible. Actually, there is also a risk, and there is there are consequences, so that needs to definitely be considered. And then, of course, then we talk about a spiritual connection and the spiritual consequences, which she also raises mm. um, and talks about this idea of becoming um, one with all these people before you even get married. So she raises those things. So that's what I grew up with. And, then, and even when I got married, that was still what um, was being taught to young adults, I suppose. Um, and now I'm, I would, I probably would still say to people, um, 
that there are just some things when you start out in a relationship that you 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 won't know and um hmm. to yeah i guess you have to consider which risk are you going to take are you going to take the risk of um not being compatible or the the other risks as well Mm. Yeah. Which risk did you take, Peter? Can I, can I take a step <laughs> back? And okay. No, because I want to, I, I think it's important to highlight, I feel there's there's a very, uh, so I talk a lot about like being in a, in a, in a bubble and, and being in echo chambers by virtue of like the friends you keep and having similar interests and similar thought processes. Mm-hmm. So like hearing you express your answer to that question, does make me it makes me ref- reflect on maybe how much of my my outlook has been shaped by that and how much I'm actually doing because I, I I actively try and then inform you know my opinions with other dissenting opinions um, uh, because I as you know I, I sort of expected it to be well your first answer kind of was that you're saying if it was your daughter it would be like no way that I just that was immediately what my mind went to but then you gave a much more nuanced and a much more measured um, answer with regards to a greater like with respect to probably a greater audience or more than just your daughter and recognizing where people stand for me just it stands out and it's um, yeah I just wanted to say that like to point that out that it's it makes me really reflective and and I really appreciate maybe by virtue of your office or by virtue of your experience, you you almost instinctively recognize those things. Whereas <laughs> I would probably like, no, <laughs> and leave it there, you know. Um, so, yeah, ideally, I would say, again, you know, I've got a daughter now. My answer would be no. But I think, um, yeah, it would be based on, um, for me, it's always been based on, the principles that the Bible presents and um, ideas like in the Old Testament recognizing that the rules that are set in the Old Testament, maybe we aren't necessarily, well, they're given to prove uh, and to prove that we can't achieve heaven uh, without Christ, but they give God's stance on things. And, you know, seeing what the consequence of finding out a woman wasn't a virgin um, at the time, even though I still, I do think it's a bit barbaric to just, you know, stone her uh, or kill her because she didn't bleed on her um, matrimonial uh, first night. Um, but it it goes to, to me to give a stance on what God sees as virginity and what God sees as um, sexual impurity. Um, and so for those reasons, I would say, it's it's not that it's not that deep the, sp- the sexual compatibility i think we place too much emphasis on that in today's day and age where sex is something that regardless of what it is like anything because you do more of it you get better whoever it is you get married i don't really think there's such a thing as sexual incompatibility unless there's like some physical thing that's significant that probably will come up in conversation anyway you'd be um, surprised <laughs> I, I feel like you'd get to know some if if there's a real real issue but otherwise i think building or, or placing that much emphasis on it before a marriage when you know i think i was listening to a podcast recently and and the, the guy was like if even if you're a savage and you're going what an hour, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're having sex for an hour <laughs> to build 
out of your day, the, 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 your relationship you're building on that one hour when you've got 23 other hours of life that you will be dealing with this person on. It's, it's a bit like building a house in the sand. It's, it's, not, it's not that deep, if that makes sense. So, so my answer would be, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't waste, I wouldn't waste that on, I wouldn't base it on sexual compatibility and take that risk. I'd rather, we've got life to do, we've got 23 other hours that we're not having sex to, to deal with, and I think those are more important. Well, I, w I do want to make one comment. Yes, I think <laughs> I, I, my concern um, is also, you, you just mentioned scripture and what the scriptures say. I think we need to be careful about that because the scriptures actually have loads of stories about men having multiple partners. Yeah. Um, polygamy was very acceptable. Having concubines was very acceptable. And yeah. actually the way women were treated in ancient times, uh, the scriptures almost condone some of that behaviour. So I'm reluctant to say that the scriptures say this about sexual purity because I'm actually not really sure they do. And I think we need to be careful that that's the reason why we're promoting our stance um, to me, that's why I spoke about the physical consequences mm, mm. and the consequences upon the emotional relationship because actually to me that makes just as much sense um, as any of the other excuses that we might use. Mm. I mean, I all through my uh, teen years and, and um, early 20s would have absolutely brought the scriptures to bear upon why I th thought that I should remain a virgin till marriage. Mm. Um, so I've been there. Um, but you have a look, particularly in America, with the purity movement where young girls yeah. are wedding themselves to their, their fathers to stay um, pure until till marriage. Actually, it's doing a lot of damage mm. to young women mm. and, um, and it's falsely based upon scripture. So I, I think we just need to have a more holistic approach to... When, these are real issues, right? You, these, this is a friend that really came to you and said, um, I've... Uh, you know, is it okay if I do this? Do you think it's okay? It, they're really, this is a real issue for them and they yeah. want resolution for this. So I think the way we approach it needs to be holistic as, as well. Mm. I'm happy with that one, so. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> Gosh, guys, this is, <laughs> this is D. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, last time Emma was on, it was just me and her. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Peter listened to the episode and he was just gushing with praises. I even got the quote here. Oh gosh. I've got the quote. Really? Yes. Oh. I think I should read it. Oh. Not all of it. I'll read some of it. And then and then I'll, I'll leave Peter to do what he wants to do for the rest of the episode. If that's alright. And I'll just be popping it in and out. So he was like, firstly, Rob, I don't know why, but I can't help but love both of your pastors we've, we've met so far. Captain Emma sounds like an incredible individual. Loved hearing from her in part because I'm having a daughter now and I know I'm trying to look for great role models for her outside of her amazing mum, Anita, and her grandmothers. And I was so encouraged by the very fact that people like Captain Emma exist. And also because I just loved her honesty and hearing her perspective really challenged my understanding of the plight suffered by women in ministry. And blah, 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 blah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so kind, so kind. And um, yeah, and I know Peter wanted to be able to ask Emma some questions herself. Um, tried to do some questions through, through me as the middleman. But I thought, yeah, this would be a nice chance for Peter to yeah. have some time with Emma to... <laughs> Stress, because I don't remember the <laughs> questions <laughs> I wanted to ask. Oh, um, um, some of them are here. Ah, sweet. Some of them are here. We so did have so. a little bit of correspondence. Yeah. Yes, uh, one of them was, um, how does your husband support 
support you yeah. or alleviate the burden of having um, that gender inequality in addition to the already stressful nature of full-time ministry? And how can men in general help, um, from your point of view, mm. um, make things a better place for women in church? Do you want me to tackle those questions, or have you got some new stuff? Or there's, there's some new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> just face just, just on, on the 15 minutes we've been talking so far. <laughs> um, but I do want to come to that as well because yeah. I, I think it's important, uh, and I think you, you you'd be a great resource uh, or, um, of information there. But um, so regarding uh, an approach to scripture, I think yeah. in the last episode you mentioned um, I can't remember how you put it, but you you sort of take uh, just as you expressed earlier on an approach towards scripture of recognizing that it's also stories and um and and um an account of um a people in a time that's very different from ours um i think my sort of um approach has always been that it it is that and and it's recognizing that it is that but also that there is a um a supernatural sort of um relevance there um and and that you know in that the authors were guided by the spirit into all truth um, i think though they affected the form they didn't affect the content and so i think that there is a timelessness to it by virtue of it being given by someone who is outside of time um how do you how do you reconcile those or do you even hold those two views yes. um and, and and if so yeah how, how do you reconcile those two um such that you can recognize that it is um if it is timeless then it is still very much applicable now mm-hmm. um but then also recognize that maybe there were there were things that were um cultural to the time cultural yeah mm-hmm. yeah rele- culturally relevant to the time yeah uh <coughs> so i i believe that um despite that it is uh, a, a historical text that it is also the inspired word of God, <clears throat> what um, we bring to that is an interesting aspect because we are all interpreters of the scriptures. Yeah. And so we bring to every reading of the scripture our own lenses and our own understandings, our own experiences. And so it's never free from interpretation. Mm. Um, so even the fact that you believe that the scriptures are, um, have a supernatural quality, then mm. when you come to the scriptures, what are you going to find? Mm. You're going to find that there, yeah, right? Yeah. When I come to the scriptures, uh, I believe it's the inspired word of God. I'm going to find that there. But I also believe it to have been written in a time. And, mm. and then it also depends on what we mean by inspiration. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, there, and there's lots of debates about yeah. that, right? Yeah. To what extent yeah. is scripture inspired? Um, did God give the writers direct words that they wrote down or was it an impression? Did, they, did God hold the hand of the writers as they wrote it down? Uh, and we have to also remember that most of the scriptures were part of an oral tradition. Yeah. So the original ones that told the story weren't the ones that wrote it down Mm. it it came out of a community and so bearing all of that in mind actually means that when we come to the scriptures that i'm um i'm in a long line of people who are who are doing that Mm. um i can give you an illustration of that aspect of mystery and that illustration of of maybe the supernatural yeah um 
a few weeks ago, I decided to um, do the flick and point method of choosing a passage to preach on. Okay. I'd been talking to someone that week and, and she's not a Christian um, and she'd said to me, so how do you go about it? And I told her that usually what I do is I follow a, you know, a, um, um, a structure and she said, well, why don't you flick and point? You know, she asked me that and, and I s- stopped and I said, oh, um, I don't know. And and she said, well, if you really believe that this is the scriptures from God, mm. you know, mm. um, then surely that would be okay as well. <laughs> and so I went home from that meeting with her and, and I did that. I did the flipping point. <laughs> <laughs> what did you land on? <laughs> um, was it first or second Chronicles? Do you remember? 28. Um, it's when uh, King David is pretty much um, declaring that he won't be the builder of the temple. It will be Solomon. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Really random out there. <laughs> and, you know, Chronicles is a book of law, a, b- a, a book of history. Yeah. And I can't say, I don't think I've ever pre- had I ever preached from Chronicles before. And I'm reading it. And anyway, and I decided to document the experience along the way as well. My thoughts, my feelings, my, if I could be critical of the way I was approaching scripture, because mm. I, I wanted to see what, you know, she challenged me. She, so, um, a few days into it, I was like, oh, this is, what on earth has this got to say to the people of Suffolk? Like, <laughs> um, so I wouldn't, I wanted to put it away, but then I went back to it and, um, I chose to interpret the passage canonically, which is um, a method of, um, so it's called canonical criticism and you you keep in mind the passage across the scriptures. And so I can go into more detail if you want, but it's uh, a bit detailed. You probably don't want to hear it. But anyway, uh, and I decided to place the story in the whole of the context of the scriptures. Which lands on that, you know, we no longer need a temple. Um, that we, as the body of Christ, are the temple yeah. and that um, we, we're to be for the praise of God and, and what it means for us to be the temple. And, you know, this was a passage that I didn't, I didn't feel particularly passionate about it. I was just experimenting. Um, a couple of weeks after that, we were in a, our Bible study and a man said that that message had changed his life. Mm. And I, I stopped and realised, he said, for 25 years I've been coming here and I didn't ever realise that the presence of God could dwell in me. Mm. But through that passage, yeah. honestly, yeah. you go read, I think it's Second Chronicles 28, this is what he gathered from it, that the presence of God could dwell in him. Mm. That's supernatural, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when God did something beyond him beyond me yeah. mm. um not sure if i've answered your question <laughs> but what <laughs> well, i wanted to illustrate is you can take a passage yeah. it's law it's it's history i mean it's it's history you know what does god have to say about this um well it can change a man's life yeah, yeah, yeah. no fair enough i think um i i i, I appreciate i appreciate that example and i appreciate how um you 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 can you can marry the two the two ideas um but with with that and and i think i don't know if you mentioned it just now but you mentioned um being an interpreter of scripture 
uh, and given you know there's so many different interpretations of it would you say would you say there's a right way to interpret scripture or what would be the best way to interpret scripture um if we are we are all coming to it with 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 our own lenses yeah and and obviously i have an idea that i think might be good but I, i'd like to yeah. I'd like to hear uh, so I think that's why a community is really important because I think we are interpreters mm. within community. And that's really what happened in the third century with the, the councils at yeah. Trent and Nicaea. Um, Nicaea. Nicaea. Yeah. A community came together and discerned together what would be the canon yeah. and what would be the scriptures. Mm. And so, and I think that's what happens with interpreting the scriptures as well. Mm. We, we come together as a community mm. and we discern that together. Mm. So when I'm preparing a message, for example, I, I, I consult commentaries, reputable commentaries that have been, you know, that there's a community around it. Yeah. It's not just done in isolation. Yeah. And I bounce ideas off people that are thoughtful people about the scriptures so i think um i think as long as there's community and it, also if you look at denominations we all really yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> we're I mean, we've, had a, we've had a podcast about that yeah, yeah. 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 so um and that's really what separates denominations often is yeah. our interpretation of scripture yeah. Yeah. So sometimes very very few sets of scriptures yeah uh, we have such a strong difference in opinion on it that yes. it can create different denominations yeah yes. yeah, so, yeah. yeah yeah that's right yeah. so i mean even reformation mm. with um yeah that was based upon interpretation yeah. of scripture yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so i think um then so i'll ask as well as to my approach because i do believe uh you know saying community i think that's uh, that's absolutely right and, and I, I laughed when you said reputable commentaries because there are so many I don't know what the opposite of reputable is. But there's so many bad dodgy. Yeah, dodgy. <laughs> there's so many dodgy commentaries as well. And I think it's uh, you know it, it is worth actually recognizing which commentary you're going to uh, you're going to um, uh, reference. But so I, I've I've always thought of the scripture interpreting the scripture, mm. um, as as Isaiah said. Um, I think it's Isaiah prophesied. You know, I write my word on their hearts. Here a little, there a little, and therefore having to take the entirety of the text. And when you're looking at one particular part, given God's outside of time and outside of its occurrence, there you have to take the rest of it into consideration. So, for example, I'd use that when um, you mentioned, you know, uh, polygamy being um, very rampant in the, in the yeah. some of the, some of the times of the. Um, Old Testament, um, but I think if you, w for for me, the way that I recognize that isn't God's way. Um, okay, so it, it goes back to Genesis and Adam and Eve, which you've mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have the thought that it might be a poem, and I think I've heard that before as well. Um, but uh, my my thing would be the first in the first instance of a marriage. It was one man, one woman, but then also looking at the consequence, looking at the fruits of all of those polygamous relationships and more often than not they were negative for the people of Israel and they had negative consequences and for me that's God orchestrating it to let us know that actually this wasn't the way I wanted it to be and a lot of the times it was almost trying to um, buffer a, a bad society or a bad um, culture uh, and sort of make just make it more bearable for the people and, and thus it was allowed but it wasn't as god desired if that makes sense mm -hmm. so so what what do you think about that that idea of scripture interpreting scripture and taking i think you met you mentioned it was the canonical yeah approach i was yeah, going to say yeah. it is very similar to canonical approach right. yeah. where 
you allow the scriptures to interpret. Yeah. Um, it's also intertextuality. Intertextu- I don't know if I said that correctly, <laughs> but they, these are um, a ways of that people are interpreting the scriptures. Yeah, and um, yeah. So I favour canonical criticism at, um, at the moment. Um, it seems to me that there are um, main theological themes in the scriptures mm. and that they hold it all together, I suppose. Um, and I think that's kind of a little bit what you're talking yeah, about, yeah. is exactly what you're I saying. I don't have the language for it. <laughs> that's <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's but right. yeah, no, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, just a side note, because I just remembered. Have you started your dissertation yet? Uh, no, I've actually right. suspended it. Oh, okay. I was meant oh, to start sorry. this month. Yes, but, yeah, um, yeah okay. I suppose. Right, <laughs> I did listen to the podcast again. Um, yeah. And I remember you said in September you were starting your dissertation. So yeah, I just, I yeah, just as a side. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so that's the scripture side, uh, uh, scripture part aside. Can you go over that question again uh, regarding um, women in the church? Yeah. Um, and for me, the reason I wanted to ask that question and the reason I still do now is because, uh, again, I recognize I won't, I just won't have the perspective that a woman would have. Yeah in the church and I think some of the things you mentioned um that showed um your that that showed some of the things that you deal with I would have even talked to cultural things simply because in African culture and I don't know if that's the case here but from the description you gave of someone wanting to speak to Mark as opposed to you um oh sorry god sorry that's okay oh no he says it all the time (laughs) (laughs) apologies um uh in African culture, uh, and, and it's, it's wrong culture, people tend to think that the man, they will go to the man, you know, he, he's the one that will sort out the issue. I think the example you gave was someone complained to you and you thought maybe they would, thought you would complain to Mark, Matt, <laughs> Matt, um, sort of thing. And for me, I would have chalked that up to, you know, that's just African culture. But your your perspective, which is something I, I could never have because I'm not a woman, mm. uh, you saw it you saw it differently. And so that's that's why I wanted to ask that question as to what can we do? How can we help? Because it's something that most of us might actually just be ignorant to or give different reasons for that aren't the case. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you want to ask the question or can I m- make a comment there? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, I do believe a lot of it can be cultural. Mm. Um, and so uh, sometimes I can go, okay, well, it, that's just a cultural difference there. Mm. Um, but we, I think, still need to challenge some of the cultural behaviour. Because what actually is the root of that behaviour? Mm. And I think you will often find that at the root of it is sexism. Right. Yeah. Um, and patriarchal yeah. views of, of um, society. Mm. So... Um, but I do. I have found that at times it's easy to go. Oh, that's probably a cultural thing, mm. <laughs> um, and almost be able to brush it off mm. a little bit. Mm. But it still doesn't make it right. No, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely doesn't. Mm. Okay. So do you want to mm. ask those questions? questions again? Okay. So the question was about how Matt supports her yeah. and how men mm. can support. Um, yeah, how Matt supports um, supports or alleviates the burden of having gender inequality. Um, in addition to already the already stressful nature of ministry, and then yeah, how can men in general help um, make the church a better place for women? 
okay, so um, I guess Matt and I have always tried to approach our ministry life together um, as a team. Um, but at times that even though that's what we've attempted to do, it's very hard to change already uh, existing structures because when we arrive into uh, a church as leaders, often we are arriving into a, a way that things have been done yeah, in yeah. the past and also just the habits of the people are already there as well. And mm. so it's always very interesting in the first few weeks to see how, how people um, begin to treat to treat us mm. without us even really having a chance to demonstrate how we would work. Right. Um, I remember one time we'd been in a church for four years, leaders of a church for four years, and um, I was nominated to go on a leadership course. Um, the Salvation Army decided that they wanted to invest into me as a leader, so sent me off. And <clears throat> I had to ask our leadership team at the church to do um, like a bit of a, a, an assessment on my leadership. Mm. And the results came back terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> they were devastating. It really was hard to view them and to look at them. And, and I stopped and went, oh, gosh, they don't see me as a leader at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I confronted one of them and I said to her, "What? can you explain to me how you answered this and why, you know, the results were really shocking for me. I couldn't believe it. They were really bad. And she said, oh, I don't see you as a leader at all. I just see you as the mother. And I like that was that was like a kick in the gut because I went home and I thought but for 4 years at that stage uh, maybe just under 4 years I've been giving my all to this place. Yeah. I, yes, at that time I'd had a, our second child so I'd had a few weeks off being a new mum again and but I I was preaching regularly I was leading you know the team meetings I I was running programs I was part of the life of the whole place um but she didn't see me as a leader she saw me as the mum and I realized that no matter how much Matt and I had tried to be an equal force Mm -hmm. it didn't matter to them they already had in their heads who and what I was because at that point we we were both like what they don't see us as an equal team here so you can go into a place like I've I've found we can go into a place and actually if people already have in their heads that Matt is the leader and I'm the wife or I'm the mother or I'm the assistant or whatever it, I can behave as much as I like. Yeah, they'll see what they want to see. They'll see what they want to see. So, and that, that's been what it is. So, Matt tries really hard to tra- try and create equality. Sometimes he's better at it than other times, but he really does try. But actually, sometimes it doesn't matter. Um, it's pretty grim. It is. It's, it's really it's been <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Um, but then the other part of the question that Bobby read out, you know, we ha- I'll give you an example of what men can do. Um, I'm going to blow um, Bobby's trumpet because <laughs> he's, he's been a good example of um, a person in the core, in the church, sorry, that's our language, core, at church, 
who promote not only supports women in ministry but promotes women in ministry mm-hmm. um and he does that by equally wanting to hear the advice and opinion of okay. men and women mm. um and seeing women as someone that might provide a word of wisdom um and he i've always felt that bobby doesn't see that i'm the woman he just sees me as a person i think that's a big factor is Mm. can we can we remove gender from from can we remove the veil of gender from our view of people and just see Mm. them as people Mm. because that i would say that Bobby, uh, since the day we arrived, has always treated me like that. I feel like I'm just, he just sees me as me, mm. not the woman. Okay. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Is that, it, it, yeah, it do does. I need to flesh that out anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It does. I think, um, and I think, especially in this sort of uh, setting, it makes sense because when, when you say remove the gender, the, the veil of gender, um, I, I from it strikes me differently because the areas in which I see gender are a different setting. Like so, I, the, when you said it, I just thought this this will sound silly. So let me it's let me okay. preface it with that. Um, we do a lot of sparring in in the style of karate that I do. You do uh, what? Karate, sorry. Uh, but no, no, I know what karate sparring. is. Sparring. So is that where you drop? No, we, no, that's where we fight. We fight, but is fine. yeah, okay. yeah, like maybe at fifty percent or something. Uh, so we're not really trying to okay, hurt each yeah. other. Um, but when we're sparring, as soon as you said it, I thought, do I hit girls the same way I hit men when we're sparring? And I don't, ah, okay. uh, be- because physiologically, it's it's a different if it's a different structure, mm. um, and and a woman's frame, especially in the form of karate that we do, um, it will it won't it won't be able to take the same and the same thing with like weight classes just the yeah. just the build it won't be able to take the same amount of punishment that a male's body would, would yeah. take so that was the first thing that came to mind um and how how to challenge that but i guess in this situation it's different because yeah. <laughs> you're not swearing so yeah that's why i said it, it will sound silly but, but you've picked up an interesting point right yeah. that you found an area in life where actually there are differences because yeah. there are i mean mm. typically and i'm sure you'll have someone say no there aren't but i mean i know one woman who she probably would take it <laughs> but you're right like the we're built differently mm. most people are built differently but i think in terms of when we're talking about um, our contribution to yeah. Yeah. to life, mm. yeah. W- what would you say to someone that might find it like they're just more comfortable, maybe they're shy talking to a woman as opposed to talking to a man? Would you say that's is that does that would that cause the same sort of response from you, or would you think that they are? You know, um, well, I feel more comfortable talking to men too. So right. <laughs> no, because yeah. Uh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> like it, um, yeah, and I'm, I probably feel less shy talking to men than to sometimes to women. I don't know why. Right. Um, so I don't know if that is a gender thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we, I think we always will have there will. You know, we talked about compatibility before, but in different in a different way now. You, we we will always have people we're more compatible with mm. in terms of who we feel we can relate to, who we can maybe speak to on a more personal le- level. 
Um, and is that always because of gender? Mm. It may not be. I don't know. Mm. Um, I suppose if you are finding, well, actually, I favour men over women, then you just need to ask yourself what that might be about. Yeah. Um, and but just test if it... Mm. Is this honouring God that I, fa- I favour a man over a woman or a, right. even a woman over a man? Why, mm. why am I doing that? Mm. And be critical of your own actions. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. What are your views on... Oh, what's, what's the... Compli... What's the word? Complementarianism. That's the one. Complementarian. Complementarianism. <laughs> there we go. But, what do you think, Bobby? <laughs> um, do you understand what complementarianism is? I think so. Yeah. Um, I think I'm at a place where I feel like outside of giving birth, like there's nothing that a man can do that a woman can't do and a woman can't do that a man can do. Mm. Um, I feel like... Well, breastfeeding. Yeah, breastfeeding. Um, but guys can get the SMA and... Do that. <laughs> well, we have made it that it, yeah, men yeah. can just as much participate, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so I don't feel like we are we are at a place now where we need those stereotypical women do these things, men do these things, yeah. um, because for the most part, yeah, because everyone is capable of doing everything, yes. Um, so yeah, I remember my mom telling me, um, how like her dad made sure that. Her and, and and her sister knew how to change a car tire. That's great. Um, because yeah. um, there's, there's there's no reason for them not to know. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, and exactly. same way, yes, yeah, the same way that her brothers know how to cook. Yeah. Because it's a skill that you need to survive. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I think everyone should know how to do everything. Um, yeah. Some people may 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 do it better than others. Yes. So maybe in your relationship, if you just you you just happen to be the better cook. Then maybe you cook more. Mm. And if someone is better at, um, you know, fixing stuff, like like Matt is just very handy with stuff. Yeah. Um, and mm. I, I I wouldn't say that's down to him being a man. That's just down down to him and his, him him, him as a person. So mm. it makes sense that he would do more of, 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 of like the fixy things. Yes. Um, yeah. So 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 you just divide the stuff that needs to be done yes. based on the abilities of the people. And so I, I agree with you completely. However, in practice, if you came to my home, we operate almost as a traditional home, mm. um, which, and Matt and I talk about this a lot, so it's not going to come as a surprise to him when he hears this, but I'm not happy about that and um, have tried as much as possible to communicate and to try and change those things. Um, but after all these years, we still operate almost in a traditional way. What do you mean in a traditional uh, way? So uh, I, like I do most of the cooking, I do the shopping, um, I do all the ironing, washing, um, I do most of the main housework. Um, yeah. And then what, and what are the kind of things that, that, that Matt would be doing? So he would, we would do 50-50 on um, kids' stuff. So getting them ready for bed, getting them ready for school. Um, that might be it. Okay. <laughs> 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 cool. 
Uh, it was probably easier in the early days when, when uh, we had babies, when mm. they were younger. Um, we had a really good routine back then, I think, um, because he would, he would bathe the kids, uh, which was a huge task for me. Mm. I, like I still to this day wouldn't be the go-to for bath time. But mm. now that they're older and independent, mm. he doesn't need to do bath time, but I continue to do all of what would happen during bath time. Um, so we actually don't, and we talk about it all the time. Um, and we have since the very early years, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, so every week by Friday in our first year of marriage, nearly every week, Matt would come to me and say, where's my uniform? <laughs> and, and I would say to him, I don't know, where is your uniform? <laughs> Because I would wash my own clothes, but not his. Okay. Because <laughs> I didn't, in partly, I didn't know that I had to wash his clothes. And he wasn't washing his own. Like I, So I'd just wash my own clothes. And he didn't know where his uniform was because he thought I'd washed his clothes for him. And so that every week it would be, well, if you didn't wash it, you don't have a clean uniform. <laughs> and it would end up being like this nearly weekly argument of, oh, okay. And I'd be like, what were you expecting me to wash your clothes? Like, cause I grew up where you kind of, you participated in the household. I grew up with a single mum. So I, I was cooking from age of 12, cooking family meals. I was helping with the washing and the ironing and helping with my brother. Like we all participated, otherwise it wouldn't get done. Mm. Whereas Matt had a mother who, till this day, would still make his bed. Honestly, when we go home for holidays, she will make his bed, she will make our bed, she will do all the meals, she'll wash his clothing, everything, right? That's what he grew up with. So then I think he was expecting that from me. So we had this fight. After a year of this repetitive fight, I was like, do you want me just to do your washing? Like, is that what you've been trying to tell me? <laughs> and so, you know, 14 years later, I'm still doing his washing. No, hang on, 13 years later. So, um, and now if he does a load of washing, I I almost say, could you just stay away? Like, <laughs> <laughs> clearly you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. What my preference would be equality in our home because how on earth are we going to achieve equality mm. in the workplace or in the church? How are our kids even mm. going to learn to have equality if it's not happening in our home? Yeah. So it is honestly, it's an ongoing conversation. What about you, Peter? How are the gender, gender stereotypes within your marriage? I mean, if you if you come home, <laughs> if you come home, Anita does most of the cooking. Um, because she's the better cook. And my menu is very short. Uh, the things that I can cook well. Um, Sounds like an excuse to me. It is, it's probably is an excuse. And I'm trying to learn. I am trying to learn. However, in my defense, I do all the cleaning because I'm better at it. Um, ooh, ooh, I do all the job. ironing. <laughs> you do all the ironing. Well done. I, so I think that's where the complementarianism, I, I hope I'm saying that correctly, comes in with, with us because for me, it was always a matter of... Um, skill sets and, and what are you better at you do what you're better at and she ends up being the better cook but in terms of the cleaning in terms of the um uh, laundry the ironing even putting things away like putting things in the right place so more often than not she can wear her keys wears her glasses um, wears her phone um, and i would know where those things are because 
I'm better at doing those things. Oh, and Matt, so I do Matt is better at those things right. too. Yeah. He doesn't like the way I put things away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that's that's what it would, that's what it looked like in our house. Um, and I, I guess you know I could do more cooking, but again, when I do do the cooking, it, it's very similar to that. It's just like. Okay, what are we going to have for dinner? Because you've just watched this yeah, um, eggs and whatever you're trying to do. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that that's that's what it looks like at, at my house. Yeah. And do you feel like it needs to change in any way? At present, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and to be fair, I don't think Anita would disagree. I think when she was when she was like seven, eight, nine months pregnant, she did. You know, she 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 was just she didn't have the physical capacity to cook, and I wasn't able to cook the things that she wanted. So I found myself like relying on my mom a lot more, and I'd call her sister and have her talk me through cooking a meal that she liked. But it was it was a lot of effort. It was a lot. I think she didn't quite enjoy it that much. So maybe at that time it would have been good to have that information or to have that knowledge and ability to have mm. cooked more. And probably if you have more children, I'll make sure that I'm prepared in that sense. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think I think she's she's happy with it. And I, we've had conversations about this. And I think after the after listening to the podcast, it was one of the things that I had a conversation with her about. Um, um, and and she seems happy with it so far. Uh, I think I end up doing most of the work. Kind of, now that we've got a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's doesn't, it changes everything, doesn't it? It does, it yeah. really does, yeah, yeah. And and there are things that I, I can't do. Like, we've decided to give um, baby breast milk for the first six months because we're advised it was the best. Um, and so feeding time, if she hasn't expressed, is, is stress for me because I don't want to take baby to you and just be like, feed, feed baby, but there's nothing else I can do. And baby's crying and she's hungry. And and so that's been a struggle so far. And I've at times wanted to cave and just go and buy formula and be like, now nah, you rest, I'll, I'll feed. But we decided to give her breast milk. So that's that's been yeah. a struggle. But I'm bathing more. Like she, she because she was at home, my mom came and showed her how to bath baby. So she knew it more. So I made the, made a point to watch her two or three times um, and make sure I know how to do it. Had her watch me do it the first time. Since then, I've been doing baby's bathing and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but... For me, it's always been about skills, abilities, and you know, if if I can't augment augment my ability to do something, then finding out, you know, then then you have to do it, kind of thing. Um, but so far, it seems okay, and I could probably do more, but it seems okay so far. Mm. So, a question for Emma, and maybe a, th- a theoretical question for you. Okay. Um, have you noticed any differences in the way you've raised your daughter? compared to your son and so the question would be for Peter do you envision there being any differences in how you'd raise your daughter versus mm. any sons you have um, <coughs> I'm sure I've raised them differently I'm mm. sure I have but in, in terms of um, what we're talking about now I would actually say I've probably been more mindful to teach Ezra how to do chores than Zephaniah. And if you came to our house, if you ask Zephy to do any chores, she will have a meltdown. <laughs> she does not like helping in any way, whereas Ezra loves it mm. and will participate. And he, anything that he can do to help, he loves it. So I really capitalise on that. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I think it's it's something I've been actively thinking about because 
I didn't care if it was a boy or a girl, um, but I knew some of the skills I wanted to give them. Like I wanted them to be able to critically look at life from an early stage and, and always consider the pros and cons of things. Um, and I knew I wanted them to learn coding early as well, um, quite just because I think that's where the future's going and it'll be a good skill set to have. Um. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Can I send my kids over to you? <laughs> um, um, and, and martial arts, because I think that builds character and discipline and early I was age. Ask about martial arts. Oh yeah, no, she's going to. Yeah, as soon as she can walk, she's going to. Do you feel <laughs> like you would, you would, you would be more what's the word? Enthusiastic about doing martial arts with, with your son? No. To a no, 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 because. In, in in the style of martial arts I do, even though it's very physical, there are girls that are 10 times better than me and, and will beat me any day of the week, you yeah. know. All I have maybe against them would be I'm, I, I might be bigger than them, but outside of that, it's it's a very equal playing field in, in terms of skills, in terms of abilities, and in terms of even dealing with an opponent that might have more power on you. You probably have more speed, more endurance. Just wait him out. So, I no, that... That was never that was never a thing. It's never going to be more enjoyable for me to do it with a guy or with a girl. And also because I think it builds character in that it's controlled adversity. It's adversity that I know what you're going through, and I'm putting you through it so that you have faced adversity. Because life will throw adversity at you, mm. and so that's that's the sort of thing I want them to gain from martial arts. And so yeah, that was never that was never a question for me. So okay. yeah, that's cool. yeah. Um, but I did want to ask, uh, and I know we're kind of running out of time. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask about the uh, podcast was this idea of headship in the home, mm-hmm. um, and. That's probably the one thing I've still been struggling with since listening, because I found, um, I, 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 again, because I see it as skills and abilities, I tend to think of it as, if, if there's a decision that needs to be made, who would be more comfortable with the compromise? And more often than not, I feel like I'm more flexible, so I'm happier to... Um, I'm happier to go for the compromise or go for her opinion, her choice uh, when it comes to making a decision. However, I found that because my my I was going to say my girl <laughs> because my wife is <laughs> 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 because she is thoroughly gone in um, and in Ghana they sort of expect the man to make the decisions. Okay. That became a bit of a sticking point because she'd ask, "What do you want to eat?" And I know I'd maybe think of. You know, I'd want to have Chinese, but I'd be happy with having anything else. And I know that maybe she wants to have something like Ghanaian, like yam or, or fufu or something like that. So I'd be like, what do you want to eat? And that would be a sticking point. Like, Why can't you just make a decision, if that makes sense? Mm. So w- w- how would you reconcile that? Because I remember you mentioned that you um, yeah, sort of try and work it out equally and consult um, one another and make decisions that way. But when it comes to making a decision how do you decide who <laughs> makes that decision kind of thing like how how, mm. how do you decide on a final say when a final say is needed um <coughs> that's a good question but i don't feel like it's a it's um difficult one okay do you know the only time that we have a real difficulty with making a decision is around food? <laughs> <laughs> so when you're telling that makes that me feel ex- better. That makes me feel <laughs> slightly better. <laughs> so when you tell that story, I'm like, I've been there <laughs> many times. <laughs> we had a, we've, we've had a doozy of a fight 
over where we were going to have lunch <laughs> because we wouldn't make a decision, mm. neither of us. But, you know, over massive life decisions, we just seem to be able to reach mm. conclusions together. And I'm not sure if we necessarily have either of us necessarily have had to compromise all that much. Um, to be honest, I probably win Matt over <laughs> with my great negotiating skills. <laughs> no. Um, and also the fact that you've used it as a, you've used the term headship. Um, because that, I mean, again, as it's a biblical term. And um, I, I wouldn't wouldn't ever even think of the decision making that we have to do as an indicator of headship. Right. Um, so uh, the reason I'm struggling to answer your question is because I I don't ever feel like it's a sticking point for us. Right. Only around food, which is mm. so <laughs> like honestly, yeah. It's in the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, <laughs> yeah. it's nothing, yeah. and it doesn't matter who's the head of the house over that matter, no. right? No. <laughs> um, but what about things like maybe discipline when it comes to the kids? Is that ever? Oh, we just, I think for us, it's just whoever is present is the one that deals with behaviour right there and then. Oh, okay. So it's mm -hmm. not wait till your father gets home. Mm -hmm. It's the parent that is there deals with it. Mm -hmm. uh, this morning, however, we were both home. The kids were both having, you know, they were at each other. I was right there present. And um, Ezra's in, at a stage where he is um, a bit less respectful of me, but still really regards Matt and I had to call Matt in to help with that that isn't the typical thing that happens it just happens to be that th this season mm -hmm. right now is what I've, I have to do at the moment and mostly because um, I'm I'm small and my kids are getting big yeah. and they need dad to come and pick them up and move them out of the situation mm. mostly mm. Um, and I guarantee that the season will change again and they might not respond to Matt, mm -hmm. but they'll respond to me because mm -hmm. that's just, it seems to be ebbs and flows. Yeah. So, um, so discipline, for example, we, it's whoever's there present for the moment. So other values come into it, yeah. not just, well, dad's the house, head of the house, he's going to deal with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's um, the value of the behaviours happening right here. And we, the same thing happens at school. If they've misbehaved at school, and it's been dealt with at school, we will not bring it up. Oh, it's been yeah. dealt with there. Mm. Unless it was really significant and severe, mm, yeah. then yeah. we would. Yeah. But if it's been dealt with at school, we don't need to intervene. Yeah, that's just a value, I suppose, of ours. Okay. okay. Any last questions, Peter? Uh, oh, can I add one more thing? Yeah. We're not a model uh, family and model relationship to go by. I mean, Matt and I are very laid back in the way that we do things. And I would say that sometimes that's been to our detriment. I'm sure you'd get another household where one or both parents might be a lot more strict and rigid and whatever works for them. But we, we just very laid back people. So um, this is just from our perspective and our experiences. Mm. Yeah. So w would you then say, I think, uh, or the way I'm understanding it, it's more, because of there's an alignment of values and principles, 
you both sort of work towards those, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would say that as a family, we're very much guided by our values. And I think that was a big part of our conversation when we were first, Matt and I were first spending time together was this sense of, well, we've got some similar values here that guide our lives and that we keep falling back upon, I think, as well. Okay, okay. Uh, I think that's that's it for me. Cool. Thank you, Emma, for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much. Hookups. Um, can I go first? Yep. So, uh, Friends is leaving Netflix. <laughs> is it? Yeah, they're gonna take it off soon. I can't. I don't know exactly when. Um, but someone made a Friends theme cover song, in a in a a minor key, I think. So it sounds really sad, <laughs> and it's the it's the theme song where it sounds super sad. Um, <laughs> so I'd say go and listen to that. That's my hookup. Um, it's on YouTube. I think I'll send you the link. Okay. So, but it, it was really nice and it fits because Friends is leaving Netflix, even though I don't watch it that much on Netflix. But yeah, so that's my hookup. Cool. I think my hookup would be the restaurant, Honest Burger. Okay. Um, nice little restaurant, pretty good value for money. They do really good chips there. Burgers are really good. Um, yeah, Honest Burger. Cool. Great place. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Homemade sushi bowls. I think you need to give them a go. Oh. We've been doing it a bit lately. So you need to find yourself an Asian market that sells sushi sheets. Okay. You need to cut up the sushi sheets into small squares, make your rice with your sushi vinegar dressing in it, mm-hmm. put the rice, the sushi sheets in a bowl, cut up some fresh veggies, chuck it in the bowl. And then if you want a protein, chuck it in the bowl. Best dinner. And with young kids or anyone, if you put all the ingredients in the middle of the table, they can fill and make their bowl as they want to. Nice. Okay. Okay. Keeping that one for the vault. Yeah. (laughs) And it will, for my picky eaters, they love it because they get to put what they want (laughs) in their bowl. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you once again, Emma, for coming down. Not a problem. Yeah. Um, I want to try and get you and Matt down together for an episode. Oh, you should. Yes. That would be great. Um, Yeah. You should uh, make sure you ask the question about housework and cooking at home. (laughs) See what he has to say about that. Put him on the spot. (laughs) I'll do that. Um, I also want to get Mo down for an episode with you just because of, um, I think we were talking about your, your dissertation topic the other day and yeah and I remember a conversation we had with Mo one time so it'd be good to just okay. get you together to, for, for that conversation so. mm-hmm. uh, but for now um, shout out to Reach for the intro outro music have them turn up for the ordinary amazing logo you can find us at Twitter at the French UK you can um, SoundCloud um, TBS no the Blacksmith Furnace with an apostrophe <laughs> on all good podcasting websites and apps the Blacksmith Furnace with an apostrophe uh, I think that's everything oh quick shout out so, a long-time listener, introvert. Mm. Her friend is having a, another gaming tournament. I wasn't able to make the first one. Ah, oh, sweet. Uh, let me get the link, let me get the link, let me get the link. Do-do-do-do-do. Here it is. Gaming Chill. This will be taking place on the 26th of October. Um, tickets are £3.50. Um, there'll be two tournaments. There'll be a um, Smash Bros. Ultimate and a FIFA 19 tournament. Uh, first place prize for both of them is a £50 Amazon voucher. Thanks. So I'll send the link around and yeah, cool. I'll be going to that. Um, I didn't, I wasn't playing Smash Bros before, but I think I'm getting there. So I'm ready. See. Um, H com. Yes. Yeah. That's is uh, photography, poetry. Look, check it out. Mm. Cool. I think that's everything. I believe it is. Great. Thank you, everyone. You're welcome. Cool. This is Blacksmith's finest sign. Blah.